hello and welcome to episode 177 of the 1099 for the week of December 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a freelancer for IGN, Daily Dot, Polygon, Waypoint, and a medley of other websites, as well as a man who plays and reviews video games just like me. Joining me for the first dual episode of Josiah Reviews, your friend and mine, Joseph Noop. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm good. And we should also probably just start referring to me as like the second most frequent 1099 person. Other than me. <laughs> yeah. Other other than you. I think I think I literally beat everybody else. Right. Yeah. I think you finally passed um, Jake. Uh, I think you finally passed um, Steve Burns and Simon Miller. I, I think you've now been on here more than anyone. Suck it. All those other people. <laughs> You're uh, Kevin Van Ord's approaching because he also does like the game of the year shows. Same with like Tom mm. McShay and Carolyn Pettit. Yep. But I, I think you've probably doubled up the majority of people at this point. Congratulations. Yes. I will send you the ribbon in the As mail. As it should be. As it should be. Uh, wait, do you want a ribbon, a trophy, a like what, what would be your the perfect ideal like accommodation <sighs> for something like this? <laughs> could I get an autographed picture of Josiah Renauden? Yeah, you can. 100%. Yeah. I my also my signature changes every time, so it might, it might be hard to prove it's my actual autograph because I get so lazy with my name. But I'll just do a big old JR on it. It'll be great. <laughs> Who shot JR? Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna do um, four games today. So normally for people who listen to these shows, it's a solo show where I talk about four to five games that I've played in some sort of review context, but. Uh, I went to Twitter and asked, like, would you prefer solo or having someone here to, like, bounce ideas off of? And it was pretty universally you should have someone on there to bounce ideas off of. And it's going to just be a good idea, a good example of there's shit I miss when I'm just sitting and talking in a mic for an hour. And Joe is going to be a great check for when I am just going off on tangents or if I'm missing major like portions of the game that are worth talking about. Um, of the four games, Joe has played one of these, but it's totally fine because you know a lot about a lot of these. We're going to cover Dragon Quest XI, which I actually recently talked about on the episode with Kim Wallace. Uh, Life is Strange Season 2, Episode 1, which I just finished yesterday. Strange Brigade, which I finished a week ago. And NBA 2K19, don't run away if you don't like sports games. I have a lot of shit to say about NBA that is worth it, even if you don't like sports games. I really look forward to that like engagement chart just plummeting. It, yeah, I know. It's funny. I left it for the end. But trust me, that game is incredible. That campaign is like the best sports campaign of all time. Um, okay. Let's start with Dragon Quest Eleven, which I have now put 45 hours into. I'm in the last chunk of it. I think I probably have 10 hours left. You keep describing um, this as a billion-hour JRPG, and that I love Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest Eight is one of my favorite RPGs of all time back on the PS2. Uh, but this sounds daunting as hell. So... If you love Dragon Quest VIII, you will fucking love Dragon Quest XI. Because Dragon Quest XI, what I appreciate about it the most is like, yes, it is this billion-hour JRPG. But it modernizes just enough that the hours don't feel long. Which is weird, because like you're playing an entertainment product, so the hours shouldn't feel long, right? It shouldn't feel like a job. But you've played enough JRPGs where the grind, where the... I'm going to do this one quest that splinters into like eight different fetch quests just to like accomplish the initial goal. Like that can be just exhausting. And Dragon Quest XI, there's like multiple things I'll point to that really help it feel modern. And the main one, which sounds dumb, is the run speed. Um, you think of a normal JRPG, it just takes a while to get spots. Even when you get fast travel, just getting from place to place in a town can take a while. If you press R2, you're like a fucking car in this game and you just zoom. Like oh my you, god! You go fast to a point of almost not being able to control your character, but it really is it like a really like helps. a dead Naruto sprint? Uh, almost. It is almost that, and it really helps. Just hey, I'm going to talk to this one person, and then just steamroll my way to this other spot and charge over to this area, and it it really works. I'm just at a point where you get. I won't. Okay, I'll describe. The airship is a whale that flies, which if that doesn't sell you on this game. <laughs> Maybe nothing I will say moving forward. Does it well. have a name? It it does, but I don't remember it. I just got it yesterday, but it's incredible. There's a flying whale airship. There is a boat you get. And uh, the combat is not like the random encounters like in a lot of Dragon, uh, Dragon Quest games. You are you know running up to people and slashing them to get a first strike and engaging any way you want. So the run speed, there is a instant heal option, which I love, which is just you get to the menu, you press square, and you use like... It uses all your character's spells and stuff just to heal your party to full, 
which is just these like it's these little touches that other jrpgs have done but dragon quest is so it's for so long just been like this gold standard for what a classic jrpg is but they're Mm -hmm. implementing these little things these little things that just speed uh... the pace up I remember the the giant bomb review. They said like, yeah, just the tiny little things of how nice is it to have a single button that just uses auto uses items to heal your party to full, rather than the monotonous like inventory management that so many RPGs, especially JRPGs, can get caught up in. Right? Yeah, it's it's just there's these quality of life improvements that as you're playing it is just really incredible. And I've talked on this podcast multiple times, and I'll always look back at. Ratchet and Clank, I think Crash Bandicoot does this well. And then if you look at the new like Spyro Reignited trilogy, those games can essentially teleport you back to a time where those games were really important in your life. There's that big nostalgia packed factor with it, but they do so much to modernize it that even though it's well beyond what it used to be, it still feels like how you remembered those games. Like there's a lot of come down to earth games where you play them and you're like oh fuck this doesn't work anymore this does not feel like when i was a kid this the graphics are terrible the handling on this is bad and dragon quest isn't that exactly because it's still an entire new game with some of my favorite characters in a jrpg in a long time and some really great surprising moments and it's gorgeous but it has the classic battle music and victory noises and level up noises and you still go to a priest to save and it's all these little touches that make it feel like what dragon quest should have been like it's one of those like oh in my head this is what the game would actually look like and it's finally able to get to that point and if i do you have any i know you would have to be like unemployed to be able to play this game fully unless you can like spin an article or something out of it but is do you have a desire to play this game like have you because you do have that oh hell yeah I so I still to this day regularly listen to the Dragon Quest Eight soundtrack because simply that music and like then the visual memories that run through my brain remind me of like just like you said that that kind of quintessential formative video game experience you have when you're young and like something really sets the bar for like everything else that comes by you know like for some people that is Spyro or like one of those PS One classics uh, for me a lot of it was either like the original Jack and Daxter or or Dragon Quest Eight in that case uh, was this first, like, I'm going to commit 100 hours to this. It was one of those games, like, you ask for Christmas because mm-hmm. someone or some magazine tells you this game will last you 100 hours. And I'm a kid, you know, with, like, $30 to my name. I'm going to get it for Christmas and, like, never have to play another thing until, like, next Christmas. Yeah, it's, it is one of those games, but I feel like I'm probably going to get it done in a round 50 hours which yes daunting massive everything like that and i know there's i've also gotten like a lot more comfortable with like 100 hour rpgs uh although maybe my experience with something like assassin's creed odyssey doesn't quite pan that out with something like red dead which is obviously the, the furthest thing from a jrpg but still incredibly long and dense i've gotten really comfortable with just like saying screw it to the to the hot take discourse and like I I only got to Saint Denis, the city of Saint Denis in Red Dead 2, like about a week and a half ago, uh, and I don't feel like I've I've suffered for that, you know. Yeah, it, this is very much a pick and choose what you want to do in this game, and it's okay if you don't do everything the the order everyone intends or the uh, with a lot of these games, especially we're probably the same way when we were younger. You want to do everything. Like you feel like you mm. have to do everything. And now that that desire is kind of trained from me, maybe by force or just by age that I've skipped a lot of side quests and feel totally fine. I've, I still grind. And this is the ultimate podcast game. Uh, and I mean that as the highest compliment where while I've been unemployed for these last five weeks, it'll just be like, I wake up, take my dog out, grab a coffee and then I'm, I know I'm in this, like, dungeon area or I'm in a, a part where there's going to be a lot of battles. I just put a podcast on for an hour and just grind. And the combat is not turn your brain off grindy. Um, but you, you can you can mash away some of it. You are controlling just the main character and you can kind of give orders to the other characters or at least help, like, hey, here's the sort of battle scheme you should go for. You focus on magic. You focus on healing. You focus on that. And the AI is smart enough that Again, you can't turn your brain off entirely. There's going to be moments where you need to be really active and think about the way you want to handle things. But you're a party smart enough that if someone's close to death, they're going to heal you. If someone is mm-hmm. asleep, they're going to slap you awake or whatever. It, it, the combat is, is fun. It's genuinely fun. And again, the characters, there's like this 
incredible Silvando, I think is his name, whose dad is like this extremely manly man general, but he's this dude who went off to like the traveling circus and goes around just trying to make the world smile and is wearing like these peacock feathers. Like he's... Do do tell me about the story because is it is it a pretty classic like call to action hero story? Yeah, you are the luminary, and there is an ultimate dark force that the luminary must stop. And there's surprises. Like the good part about this game is, I won't say who. There was like a major death to one of the core characters that I didn't expect because it usually doesn't happen in these types of games, especially when you're investing into these characters. And they they have a smart way around. Like, hey, that wasn't a waste of time. Um, There's definitely. Just the, like, oh, you're the chosen silent protagonist who has the mark and can do all these incredible things. But there's, like, a really good midway through the game flip on that and what happens once you don't succeed in the way you expected. And there's the end, But it's not the overarching story that's interesting. It's more the side characters and you get all of their mm-hmm. origin stories and how they got to your party and how they got to where they are and you're resolving their past issues. And it's really... It's it is charming and charming is an overused word, but it's a word that's apt for this game. They still have the, there's still the Akira Toriyama, old school JRPG Japanese that style Dragon thing. Dragon Ball Z oh. kind of art style, yep. Well, it's that, but also every female character has just like incredibly large boobs. That um, that always feels out of place whenever it's Akira Toriyama because. Toriyama has a very childlike kind of drawing style. Like it, Dragon Ball Z has, has set the the bar for a lot of like, you know, shown in anime that we've come yeah. to, to be familiar with. But the the characters are never quite sexualized in the same way as like a modern, like etchy anime or whatever that may be is. It's it feels weirder to see cleavage on a Toriyama character. Right. Sure. Yeah, you're totally right. And like, I'm not saying they don't like aggressively focus on it. There was one there was one scene that like threw me off in that way where like one of the like most badass female characters or just characters in general in the game. His name is her name is Jade, who's just has like this. You can give her like this giant spear and she just kicks the shit out of everyone. And she has this great intro where like you're essentially in a DBZ style fighting tournament. And she's the one just kicking everyone's ass in there. And um, there's this scene later on where you're kind of like refinding a lot of your party members. And um, she's like taken over by this demon at this casino. And they immediately put her in like this super skimpy fishnet and like low cut. Slave Leia. It's she turns it around and makes it kind of badass at a moment. But it was very much like man, that's not what she's about. And I understand what they're going for, but it's also like, she's just like a really cool female character and you don't need yeah. to do that. So there's moments yeah. like that still in the game, but I am, this is one of the few games that is this long and just keeps getting better for me. Like I want, I, I usually peter out with a lot of these games, like Persona 5, I stopped 50 hours in, which is crazy. Uh, but this, I'm just like excited to play it. I'm bummed that I start work tomorrow because I want to finish this fucking game before I get back oh, to boo-hoo. work. Oh, boo-hoo. I know, yeah, woe is me. But it's, I, I'm really, it's one of, it's it's like really slowly becoming one of my favorite games this year. It's overcoming and overpassing Nino Kuni 2 for me. It's it's just really grabbed me and reminded me why I love JRPGs, which I thought Nino Kuni 2 would do. Dragon Quest Eleven was never on my radar because I liked 8, but... It was still a little bit too traditional for me. And this just does all the modern things I want. And mm-hmm. I think anyone who anyone who has a spared 70 hours should invest. I, I wonder, I haven't seen any like news articles about it. And maybe that's just because it's kind of old hat. But I wonder if the Dragon Quest series itself still carries that. Like in Japan, the, the old joke was that uh, on the day that a Dragon Quest game would release, it w- if you like asked off for work that day, your boss would like follow up on you to see if you were actually playing Dragon Quest. Yeah. Uh, and like there were record school absences and such. And uh, that was like one of those earliest like cultural touchstone kind of moments of like, hey, let's all ditch work and play this this brand new video game. I haven't really heard anything about those uh, kind of uh, trends for like the last couple installments here. But I wonder if that's still a thing there. I don't know. Like it's it's and it's something I don't know. I have not seen numbers on this. I'm guessing this came out in Japan a good while before it came out in the U.S. I don't yeah. think this was not oh, yeah. international. I obviously, yeah. And it's I haven't heard that sort of, you know, there's like Monster Hunter that came out earlier this year, and that mm. was like the first 
like not like I was the first Monster Hunter that released outside of Japan and really performed well, right? So maybe mm-hmm. part of me was like, is could that be a trend with other things like Dragon Quest or like Valkyria Chronicles? But I just downloaded Valkyria Chronicles for half price on PSN, which is not a great sign. Uh, I think you can buy Valkyria Chronicles on Amazon with a special edition controller for forty bucks right now. Like oh wow. Yeah, it's so. Th- I don't think Dragon Quest is that level of like didn't perform, but I don't know. I, I hope people play it because it's a it's a good example. Um, and I did the full podcast about you know JRPGs you need to play, and this was on the list, and it's on the list for a reason because it does the modern part while also reminding you of this is why people play these games to begin with. So mm-hmm. that is high recommendation, like really high up there. Should I start here? I'll I'll ask the audience for the next one. Should I start scoring these at the end? What do you think? You think like actually like slap a score on it out of 10 out of five I think if maybe? people are listening if people are listening to a podcast like do they if they're already getting through like 20 minutes of dialogue for a score do they really give a shit about a, the score you know i don't know fuck it it's a nine out of ten okay if, <laughs> we'll do it for now and then i can always if you if everyone hates it, i won't do it i, I this he's, game's really fun folks good. he's literally put, going into the google doc and putting nine out of ten i'm actually doing that right now nine out of ten there we go. Dragon Quest Eleven. Go buy it. Let's talk about Life is Strange Season 2, Episode 1, because you played it yes, and I please. played it. And I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it, and I want... Before we before we begin, are we talking spoilers? I think we have to. I think we have to. And it's also I been think we far have enough to. that, like, if you haven't played it, what are you doing? Yeah, so, yeah, if you're interested in Life is Strange, skip ahead to this part. Um, I guess, probably yeah. like 15 or 20 minutes. Um, or if you're just like, okay, hearing spoilers, like you're going to have different outcomes and everything like that. It's worth playing no matter what. But this is an entire, this is a game built on big moments and decisions. So I think it's really important to do. And I, I, I want you to start with this one because I, my thoughts have not entirely formulated on this. I have a lot of random scattered opinions, so, but there's not. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let, let's recap. Like, so the original Life is Strange and then also Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, at first, no one quite knew what to make of those. Like, hey, Square Enix and Don't Nod, uh, the people that you know brought us, uh, was it uh, Remember Me or something like the French? Yes. Kind of Ghost in the Shellish action game. Uh, they're making a, a like Telltale style narrative adventure game. What the heck is that about? And then the first few episodes, it's like, oh man, the dialogue is pretty wretched and it, it seems corny and it's got like a cool little kind of twin peaks sci-fi vibe but i don't know what to make of it but by the end of the first season and especially by the end of uh before the storm the prequel life is strange very quickly became a a like cult favorite among people who really liked you know uh, stories from the perspective of young women uh lgbt women and just that kind of that quirky, youthful coming of age story that, you know, not too many games uh, delve into, at least on that kind of level. And it really, really laid it on with Before the Storm, literally exploring a, a you have the potential to establish a relationship with the other character, uh, Rachel, and you can kiss her. And it's like, yes, yeah, so this is the confirmation of everything we could want. You know, it's a, it's a very fun, endearing LGBT perspective story. And so when life is strange Two season two was announced and we saw like, Oh, it's two boys, like a, an older brother and a younger brother. And like, okay, what like, is this, are they really ditching the kind of thematic angle that turned the original life is strange from a shitty, telltale adventure to something that people really wanted to glom onto and i don't blame anyone for feeling that way but very quickly life is strange 2 shows you no we are just as about telling a story from a marginalized perspective we are just as political if not much more so than the last go around and to make a long story short life is strange season two is in my opinion, about living in a, in modern slash Trump's America as a young person of color and yeah. all the trials and tribulations and threats that come with that. And I was very happy to see them commit to that really early on. Well, let's we need to talk about the early story beat that changes everything. Yeah. Um, yep. Because I like it in theory. I don't think it's handled well here. Um, and the it's only a, reason it's laid I, on a little thick, it's, it feels kind of out of nowhere. So there's, there's the scene where 
you're this uh, like 16, 17 year old kid, something like yeah. that. Um, and you know, your, your little brother's playing outside. Like he's dressed up like a zombie. It's Halloween, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And he gets in a fight or at least like spills blood on this other kid who's around your age. And you have this moment where you can confront that kid. Um, and let's not let's not forget that kid is pretty clearly like a a troubled, little bit racist kind of yes. white kid compared to the two bro- to the two brothers who are very uh, clearly Hispanic and their father is very clearly possibly not a legal immigrant. Yes, uh, and you have this moment where if you kind of fight back against this kid, as I remember, you push him and his head hits against a back like his back of his head hit, hits against a rock, and is he dead at that point? He his breathing is very unsettling. He's clearly something clearly snap. I think not only his head hit a rock, but his spine did. And so you get this incident where it just all goes to shit very quickly. And he's breathing a little too hard for comfort. And a cop happens to drive up and see all of this clearly. He And he thinks, you know, that's that's someone's blood on the little brother's shirt, not Halloween decorations. Sure. I, I just what. The only thing that bugged me about this is just how quickly the cop goes from, like, what's going on to, the big spoiler here is, like, shooting your father. Like, yeah. it happens at a speed that, like, again, like, this is, a, this is a very real discussion about what it's like being marginalized and maybe the idea of not police brutality as much as, like, just jumping to conclusions, which is something that's really, really strong in the news. And it, it's it's something worth discussing, of course, because it's real. But it just happens so fast. And it's not like the dad acts. He just is like, essentially just like, hey, hold on, what's going on? And then like seconds later is shot. And it just yeah. happens so quick that I'm like, man, it, I like this, but I, it needed more of a setup. I, I will say that like, it's a Holly. It's a more Hollywood version of what we do see on the news. You know, uh, young black men, uh, or just any young black, usually men, people of color, uh, who the the what was it, like a eight year old or like maybe a twelve year old on the playground, and a cop drove up like right next to him. The little kid had like a toy gun, but the cop only waited like one, literally one second, uh, to to put a bullet in him. And it is it is a little too perfect in this story. Like the yeah. the cop is clearly younger, like inexperienced. He is scared shitless because he sees some kid covered in blood and some other kid, it's a white kid on the ground, and the cop himself is white. But and like yeah, the dad kind of pulls a stupid by by walking up a little too closely to the cop. But it. I will say it genuinely evoked a, a, a visceral reaction from me, a very oh shit kind of moment because yeah. I knew that I, I could tell already. I could tell by that point the story was going to deal with like something, you know, racial themes. You know, the kid, the kid, the neighbor literally calls him like a like a stupid slur or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but to see like, oh, oh, this is a very modern game. And even. Even before that moment, you can go into uh, the older brother's phone and see text from, believe it or not, like November 2016 uh, and text from his friend saying like, holy shit, I can't believe it happened. Like, you know, what's going to happen to this country now? Uh, I'm a little scared. And the older brother going like, yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see how things pan out from here. It sucks. And it's like, oh, shit, this is just this is so blatant and so forward about the themes that's going to be approaching that i feel it it starts off much stronger than it could have yeah well like that's it starts so methodically right where everything is just it's very slow moving which you should start in these type of games where you're getting a good idea of who your dad is who your brother is your relationship with both of them you're you're asking for money for a party you're talking to this friend and it starts so slow and so smart and it's painting this really clear picture and that's why i understand the idea of that scene is to be jarring but it felt jarring for the wrong reason to me where i just if you would have if the dad would have come out a little bit more aggressively rather than just walking a little bit forward if we would have maybe had a little bit of more of an understanding of who the cop was because he did just come off like you said as like a really young dude who immediately panicked um, right and didn't show any sort of sign of and again I know these things happen. I 100% understand it, but it is the Hollywood version that is just so black and white that it 
it came off as nothing else in the game felt that way until that moment. And I think it really builds well over time after that scene where you're understanding a little bit about your brother's powers. You're locked away in this storage room after this crazy scene where people, you know, you're on the run and heading to Mexico to get away and... There's... The uh, the the other big kind of like laying it on a little too thick moment was when the old man outside the gas station confronts you and says, you know, this is why we're we got to build a wall or something yep. like that. And it's like, oh, uh, OK, like I, I get it. Another clear reference. But like d- the the only thing it was missing was a MAGA hat. You know, it's too on the nose. It's just it, it it's too much. And again, these things do happen, but you want some sort of subtlety, some sort of nuance to it. Not, I'm not saying don't paint a positive picture of people wearing MAGA hats. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's more of just maybe not just use like the most obvious direct quotes. Like, yeah, like, yeah, that fucking wall needs to be there, bro. Like it, they, it's, it's they do have some moments like that, though, where it's laid on a little more thinly, like the 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 larger family outside the gas station uh the brothers are you know trying to like comfortably beg for food without actually begging for food because they still have you know some dignity to their name and like the the mothers like oh they they're not a threat you know they're just they're just good kids but the dad you know clearly has some misgivings about who these boys are and like why they're approaching him his wife and his daughter and little things like that or like the the shopkeeper the gas station convenience store uh cashier older lady who she will very casually comments like you know hey keeping an eye on you or or like you know kind of look in your direction whenever you are uh seeing if you can buy that box of cookies or whatever uh little subtle things like that that i've you know i've i've read plenty of i've had plenty of friends uh who are people of color tell me about uh, that definitely co- contrast those bigger, dumber moments. And maybe that's the problem I have is they those prove that they understand subtlety and they can do it. And then there's yeah. like the, and then that makes the other moments seem more glaring to me. When suddenly yeah. the game decides that it's just gonna like hit you over the head with a hammer instead of kind of leading up to something. And that's why I was just up and I was mostly up on this game. And by the end, I really enjoyed the way the last scene is handled, where your little brother. Mm-hmm learns about the death of your father and he his powers are coming out and you have like a good emotional moment where that should be dramatic that should be big and they really nail that one and the dog is great and that dude who's like driving you around is awesome brody yeah he's great and like there's so many cool moments like that that i just wish the turning points didn't go as sharply as they did and just as obvious as they as they were yeah the the build a wall comment was like the second time i'm like ugh, come on yeah like you can do better and i know you can you um, proved you can one of the one of the also more subtler aspects that i really really appreciate and one that i think defines what more of this story will be like i'm sure there will be other moments where politics and and racial politics play a role in this story but i think the overall story is going to be much more about like hey are you caring for your brother and uh, are you making sure that he grows up into uh, an upstanding citizen? The game does a really better job of, of illustrating how you need to care for this person uh, as opposed to the first life is strange. The first life is strange was very simple, like, you know, a or B, you know, what are you going to do here? And the best moment of that first season was with the Christian girl who was clearly from like kind of a abusive household coming to school every day, very clearly giving signs that she's depressed and like possibly suicidal. And if you pay attention enough, you can save her. Although I think a majority of players weren't able to, because no one really expected it to, to come around like that. And in this game, not only is it during dialogue moments, but it's also in like, Hey, are you paying attention to the world around you? So my favorite example of this is while the brothers are walking through the forest, towards uh, a place to camp you have to like climb over and and kind of jump off of a a log or a ledge or two and one or two moments there you're playing as the brother obviously and you know the little brother is either running ahead of you or a little bit behind you and i climbed over a log and kept walking you know dialogue still going okay and i got maybe 15 yards ahead of my brother and i turned around i was like where is he and he's still struggling to get over the log. And he uh, man, he 
I couldn't get back to him by the time he had climbed over it. But because I wasn't there to assist him, his like clothes got a little more tattered and he got a little more dirty. And you Same can tell thing his happened mood, to me. His, yeah, his mood had soured a little bit. And then I was like, oh, was that supposed to happen or was I supposed to help him? And then at the end of the episode, it's like, yeah, you didn't help your brother. You could have helped your brother climb over that log or like jump off that ledge. And you didn't. And uh, this game does a really good job of. Well, there, there's an article I saw recently about uh, people of color who work in like newsrooms and they there's no like good structure for raising up interns who are people of color. Uh, and so the professional journalists who are people of color in a newsroom often have to spend their own time and their own mental and, and financial effort to help raise up you know, a new generation of, of reporters who come from disadvantaged communities instead of the, the whites, more privileged communities. And that the story was essentially like how much of a mental taxation that can be on those professionals. They're suffering at their job uh, to help the next generation get the proper foundation for theirs that no one else is providing them. And so this game to me is like, how mentally taxing must it be to be a young person of color, any any age person of color in America, not only when you're confronted with, you know, police forces and, and casual racism, but also when you have to care for the little people in your life who either aren't as strong as you or like haven't li- are, are still, you know, a little innocent and don't know how cruel the world can be. Uh, they, they illustrate that fantastically, even with the money, like, uh, my, the, my version of the dad gave me 40 bucks, I think, uh, for the party and food and all that. And so you keep that money as you go along and you have to make a couple of tough choices at that convenience store where, uh, you either play the, the UFO catcher game or you can buy food and it's not a one or the other. You can you can play. You can spend forty dollars on that UFO catcher game, or you can, you know, I spent maybe five bucks on there because I was like, I, I want, I, I want this kid to be a little happy. I want him to like play a game and like live a life, and then we'll go buy food. And that's the same thing you hear a lot of parents talk about too. Yeah, and like that whole gas station section where you're, you're buying the stuff is interesting because after you break out and you're dealing with the dude who put you in that like fucking closet area you i think i stole something um almost as like a i hate this guy i was like i was angry at that moment i took something and if you steal something then when you're in the car driving away your little brother steals something um and that becomes a conversation i'm not sure if you did this i did not Oh, so um, Brody's his name, right? The the dude who was yeah. with the so you, he steals um, your little brother steals like the little Hawaiian thing that was like little dancing Hawaiian girl that was in his car, and you have to have the conversation where like he's like you stole, why can't I steal? And you have to be yeah, like, exactly. Oh no! So you are building these habits with your little brother, and again, the the subtle moments is where this season of Life of Strange really excels, and I'm interested in seeing how that carries over time if it reaches like four or five episodes what is your little brother brother like at that point mine might be a a thief who's dirty and tattered who but I, you know i also gave him a bubble bath so like maybe he's pretty happy about that and i got him the toy and he but he's a little bit hungry because i didn't buy enough food like it's it's a funny like management sim underneath this adventure game it's uh it's kind of like the what's the bruce uh oh god uh joseph gordon levitt and who's the um, diehard actor uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I kept like Bruce Lee. No, no, <laughs> that's stupid. Awesome. That'd be a really great time. Uh, okay, but uh, like the that movie Looper, where yep. it, the the whole mystery is like, who is this like psychopathic superhero person who you know destroys the future and it it's revealed to be like the young boy that they've kind of been protecting because he saw his mother getting murdered or something and just how that butterfly affects into the rest of his life. And it's like, Oh, the, the, we're going to see a lot of those, like something you did three episodes ago may come back into play. And I'm sure we're going to wrap this one up here soon, but I want to say two more things. One, yep. I swear to God, if they kill that dog, I, I riot. I oh, riot. Well, really quick, if I'm going to give this, now that I'm doing scores at least for this episode, I'm like right around a 7 out of 10 on this game, which I'm actually okay. putting in this Google Doc right now. If they kill the dog, it's going to be a 0 out of 10. 
there we go. Those are the two scores for this you game. Sorry, keep first. going. Also, uh, Brody, as his name may suggest, is a complete and total bro, and I love him so much. This was one of those few moments in the game where, despite the fact that it was a little corny, like Brody, bro, you meet Brody and he's like this travel like vlogger slash actual blogger, and I didn't anticipate him becoming a central character of this episode. Uh, I thought like, oh, cool. You know, like there was this other person in this convenience store that I can chat with. He seems a little dumb. Uh, you know, this this dude talking to me about uh, nudist colonies and how he's blogging about them and living as living out of his van or truck or whatever. And but by the end of this episode, Brody really subverts a lot of my preconceptions about him and you learn like, you know, what drove him to kind of have the positive mentality he had. And assuming you don't like completely tell him to piss off, he I feel like he really sets the boys up for uh, to, to keep their minds on the more positive side of whatever their journey is going to pan out to be. It was a little white saviory, you know, uh, like, oh, hey, this this like more well off white person like suddenly has the. It's the inverse of the the black magic, you know, servant with all the answers or whatever. But I thought that they gave him enough character that I was like, you know, I care about Brody. I, I enjoy that I got to spend some time with Brody and he will hopefully be a little bit of a, a small guiding principle for these boys and show them like, yeah, the world isn't entirely cruel. I saw it more of like he has been there and done that because he, he gives you essentially oh, everything yeah. that's left in his pocket and he's going yeah. through all of these situations and he was just like, I've been through this and I get it. And like, I essentially had people help me along the way. So I'm going to pay that forward. Yeah. And hopefully that's what they were going for. But he is a character who like he he does have growth. He does seem like he's going to be just this useless throwaway character. And then you're like, oh, actually, other than Mushroom the dog, Brody might be my favorite character <laughs> in this game. It's Mushroom, exactly. right? It was Mushroom. Yeah, they named, they named it Mushroom. It's a really good dog name. It's a pretty original one. But yeah, I if you liked Life is Strange Season 1, I think there's a lot of similar reasons, similar but different reasons to enjoy Season 2. And I am, mm-hmm. do you know when Episode 2 comes out? No idea. Okay. But well, I'm in. Like, it's, I am invested. I think I have the season pass. So I will review further episodes of that. Let's talk about Strange Brigade, which is a really weird, strange game, if you will. Heck yeah. Um, that is made by Rebellion, who did... Um, is it Sniper Ghost Warrior, or is it... There's two Sniper games. No, which is Sniper Elite. That, that's the one. Okay, I think I reviewed one yeah. of those for GameSpot. Um, Sniper Ghost Warrior is trash. Okay, well, the, whichever one I reviewed was not entire trash, which is the one where you can, like, shoot people in the in the sack. You can shoot Nazi balls in Sniper Elite. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's the one yeah. I reviewed. So, they made a Left 4 Dead game um, where your guns are from, like, the 30s. And you're fighting like crazy like Egyptian like warriors and and weird skeletons and crazy bosses. It's it's actually pretty cool, even though no one's playing it. And that the, that is going to be just an issue if you buy this game right now. Where I played it with our mutual friend Sean um, all the way through. Hmm. Uh, but and we always turned on like hey it's a four player co-op game so if people want to join they can join but almost no one ever joined the game it's uh and it's just not that fun to play alone like it you're just going to be like why is this kind of slow game with old school guns worth playing but it's one of those like you're setting traps you're doing puzzles and all of these are fun with people there's like oh i need to hit these specific symbols on this puzzle door a specific way you know in god of war where you need to find um like certain like here's this door there's probably four things you need to break in the area i'm gonna go search those out so there's that except it's here's this door with four symbols that you need to hit like three times each in a certain order and that order is out in this world. So if you're playing with two people, you can be like, all right, Sean, go find this, and then I'll hit this, and then we'll share the loot. If you're playing by yourself, you're like writing stuff down or taking pictures, and that's just not fun. Uh, it's The weapons are a bit stiff, but that's intentional, where, it, again, it is like you know old-school machine guns. Sometimes you'll get like a crazy flamethrower that really packs a huge punch or like a burst rifle, but uh, you're finding those in the world. You're buying them in the level similar to cod zombies where it's like oh i'm gonna do a thousand gold coins to get this limited time weapon that's really awesome 
but I don't keep forever. But if you keep gathering gold and gathering experience, you'll be able to buy at least really good versions of guns as your main loadout to carry from level to level. There's like four unique characters similar to what Left 4 Dead does, but maybe even less so. There's just no real personality to them. Like they look like they'd have really cool personalities. Um, and now, they look the, like the whole personality develop. of like the early trailers was this kind of very, yeah, 19... 19- 20s uh greatest war kind of news updates uh you know adventures in the amazon with our daring dashing heroes and that's what the narrator sounds like the entire time it just he's the only character is what it feels like oh boy like there's others and i can share um here i'll just send you this you know what right now while i'm talking just google strange brigade characters and you'll see them and there's like Two two male leads, two female leads, and they're like again. It's like I want to know their stories, but it's really not there. It just becomes like the narrator is the only real person who's adding any sort of color to what's going on. And you can choose your unique character, and they have certain alts or whatever. But it doesn't feel. It's not like it Overwatch. Says, it says something that like one of two black characters is like this tr- very tribal face paint kind of woman with like hoop earrings and such yeah, and such. It's it's a little weird. Like it, it's. It is definitely going for something. It has like the, like you said, like the, and we find our heroes, like almost like morning cartoon style or like old school. It, it, and it works. They just need more of it. Yeah. Um, and there, there's the variety in enemies is interesting where there are just multiple different styles that are being thrown at you, whether it be armor, whether it be like a, a bowl type enemy that charges you. And there's traps all over the place that you could set for them that really does mix things up. And the bosses are massive. Like, you go against these crazy dudes shooting, like, weird magic at you. And you go against, like, giant, again, like, Egyptian-style enemies in other moments. It it has, like, all of these really cool variety in what you're doing. Um, Except it can get formulaic. And, okay, if you go through a mission, there's, like, let's say 12. uh, There's these secret cats these blue cats that you shoot to open a a puzzle door at the end and there's six in every single level and they're always hidden so you always know how long the level is based on how many of these you found and once you kind of just think of a level as like well i've shot four of these like ceramic cats up to this point so i know i'm halfway through there's a bit of a formula to it after a while there's always this type of puzzle always this type of collectible um and that can get a little bit I would never want to do more than one of these in a play session. Each one's like maybe 30 to 40 minutes. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. Because if I did another one of these, I would get bored. But again, there's like a seed here that is, there's not a lot of Left 4 Dead style games in the world. Um, I I was going to ask, like, does it at least have a sense of replayability? The same, like, is there, does it change itself up enough a la that kind of director AI system. I, I don't know if this game has something like that, but does it at least change it up enough that you could be like, I if I wanted to take a much more action-y run on this, I could do it? I, I'm genuinely not entirely sure if there's an AI director. I think there is. I never felt like there was a set number of, this is the number of spawns no matter what. I didn't yeah. get that sense. I never really got a good idea if it scales because I never had a full party of four. Sometimes we'd have a third who would randomly join at like the end of a mission at that point. I wasn't sure if it was adapting to our numbers and our play style. I, I, there is absolutely replayability, especially since you are gaining gold and gold gives you, you know, you can purchase weapons, you can purchase upgrades, everything like that. But I don't have any, there's also like a horde mode that I didn't really try, but I, I have no desire to go back after beating it. Like I'm happy I played it. I enjoyed it. I think strange brigade is cool, but I think it was a full price thing. And this, if it's not, I apologize for the misinformation, but it should be like a $20 download is in my mind. And then you'd see way higher numbers of people playing it. And it, it's a fully featured game. It is like a 12 to 15 hour thing. It could be way more if you do the replayable sections, if you do these different like long combat gauntlets. But I just don't. Just, for just, what it's worth, it's still uh, $50 on Steam and I'm looking okay. up uh, console. Yeah, that's that's still too much. It's it is fun. It is a cool idea. It is just not realized quite enough. I I don't know if it's I could recommend it, especially console. it's forty right now. Forty for PlayStation. Okay, I, it might be discounted because I don't. It, it did come out a few months back. Um, but if if it was forty, that's at least a smarter price. But if I'm a if I'm a fan of Sniper Elite, would I love this though? No, but it does have a certain. This is actually going to make you probably hate it, but bear with me. <laughs> you know the feeling of Sniper Elite when you're running around third person and shooting people? 
Mm-hmm. It plays a little bit closer to that, which is not great for which, which like is, a that, that's what That's what you game. do when you fuck up. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, usually in those sniper games, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, I'm in a bad spot. I need to use this bad control scheme right now. And it fits... Yeah. It is better than that, but it's reminiscent of that. Mm, like, there's yeah. definitely moments where I felt like I was kind of playing a, a fucked up moment of Sniper Elite. Um, but again, if, if it gets down to like 20 bucks, try it. Or if it suddenly is like a PS Plus game, try it. It's fun. Um, I will give this five and a half ceramic blue cats out of 10. But um, it, it's cool. I, it's it's worthwhile if you have three friends who also buy this game, which is maybe weird that you have three friends and like with all the multiplayer games in the world, you're like we're we're all in on Strange Brigade. <laughs> but I would I would recommend it, even though it's right. like a five or a six for me. Tell me about them b balls. I want to talk so much about NBA 2K19 because it's so good. Like there is because a... is it uh is it still um oh uh, is it Michael B Jordan is in the uh campaign. I don't think so. If he was, then uh, it's, I missed it's, it. It's an actor. Oh, I, it, man. It is, a, it is a known actor. But anyway, oh, pl- Hold on. No, no, no. I need to. Now I need to go. Um, I, I can tell you that uh, Michael Rappaport is in. There's there, there are many different actors who are known. I don't remember. If Michael B. Jordan is in, I missed it. But it is the story of you as a potential first round draft pick who does not get drafted at all. And. You go to, I think it's China. I think you play for like the Shanghai Sharks or the, no, it's not the Shanghai. It, it's, it is a crazy name team. And you spend the first chunk of the game essentially proving yourself and trying to become worthy of being back in the, being in the NBA for the first time after thinking, because you're in college and you're this star in college who plays alongside another star in college. And the your friend, at least the time friend, gets drafted by the Lakers and does incredible things and you're out in China trying to oh, drop excuse as many me Michael B as Jordan was in 2K17 apparently. Okay, all right, I'm happy I didn't entirely miss him. There's like other random actors in here. Uh and it's not this amazing like rags to riches story that concludes early on and then suddenly you're in the NBA. The entire story section of this game which is like 10 hours or something like that is you going from China to the, one of the greatest scenes. It's a really funny, genuinely funny game where you get traded um from this team after you play like a overseas international game against nba all-stars and you show out a little bit and you dunk on your former friend and it goes viral and you get traded to the lakers so you're like you, you this scene where you're flying to la you're all excited <laughs> you're, an in, you're an instagram star now oh, oh it's it's incredible and like you're you're at the lakers facility and the the coach played by michael rapaport is like what are you doing He's like, oh, I'm just going to go check out what practice is like. He's like, yeah, yeah, but like our practice is at the other gym, like the Lakers pra- practice in there. He's like, yeah, the Lakers. I'm a Laker. He's like, no, 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 you're a South Bay Laker. You're on the, the G League. Like, and you had no idea until you're just there. So you have to go oh. through. So you make it to the G League and you get traded for like a really bad draft pick and like free sandwiches for life at a local food cart in LA for the team. So they essentially trade you for free food to oh like God. the I think you go to um like Indiana crazy ants or something like that mad ants um and you have to go through this entire section where you're around like cornfields and there's this insane coach who's like just doesn't really understand basketball but is a great motivator you <laughs> set off fireworks and burn down your team's hotel you um go to this like area to promote the team and meet this girl who you fall for who's this like sports journalist there's just you eventually get like one shot at the end of the regular season to play with the Lakers and uh the next season you're able to get on a team but it is genuinely one of the funniest games I've ever played um the writing usually in these games is terrible, but this one for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is funny. Like, this were the, is good. This were is the smart. others like nowhere near this level? No, I reviewed them for GameSpot, and like, I um, the like the the I keep thinking it's not Stanley, R.I.P. It is the uh, who is the person who is the um the famous director is a New York Knicks fan who uh, S- Spike Spike Lee, Jesus Christ, Josiah, uh, the Spike Lee campaign. 
was crazy and not funny and way too self-serious and a lot of them just never reach these heights or they're very basic like oh you're in the nba now and this tells like the other side of the story Reaching if you're some real tony hawk underground levels of, of storytelling here it's so good <laughs> like I, I'm, I play it pretty consistently now because once you do get in the nba you just kind of there's still like some scripted scenes where you're getting endorsements or you're um just like hanging out with teammates and stuff like that but the, the first 10 hour chunk is like the meat of it where you finally get to the nba and the rest you're just playing and yes the microtransactions are still a problem like you're still way too under skilled to really compete with other nba players once you get there um like i've played this game for maybe God, it feels probably like 40 or 50 hours and i'm only a 76 overall which is like i because i play a lot of 2k games and like my difficulty isn't extremely high i'm able to just dominate but i'm only dominating the like i'm still way below any normal nba starter in terms of my stats and i've put like that many hours into it so you almost are forced to buy if you want to be a really good player are you, or put are, are you playing against other humans who have like an advantage no, so in this case, I'm just playing um, in like the campaign. You just play your own character, and you just play against it's a other dream AI league kind of thing. Yeah, and that's all yeah. it really is. Like I'm in the playoffs right now. Like I'm on the Cavaliers playing the Pistons in the first round of the playoffs, and like I have crazy stats, um, and I'm putting up a lot of points and assists and everything like that. And I, I I really love those games, so I get really into setting screens and understanding about spacing. But if you want to actually be like a LeBron level player you would need to put like 200 hours into this game or pay for it and i don't like that that part yeah that sucks uh but i mean that's only for your creative character like you, you can play lebron you could play whoever you want in any of the other modes and build up your own like my team and everything like that there's endless depth with this type of stuff but the only reason i really want to talk about nba 2k19 is because i think the campaign is genuinely it's so hard to make a funny video game it's even harder to make a funny sports video game and it's endearing and funny and just works on a lot of levels. And there's not those constant moments of awkwardness that just happen in these games. And I finally feel like they got it right. And I was playing it and like, why is no one talking about this? Did I miss this? Because this is my favorite 2K game ever. And because yeah, the microtransactions like never crack top 10 on, on GameSpot or something like that. This is this will be in the top 10 for me. At the well, end I should of the year, say top, top 10 of like clicks, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, what's getting most clicked but yeah yeah people care about 2k but it's also you know i uh I, i'm just i'm just i'm so anxious to see 2k like go the full ubisoft route with like microtransactions and like you're in the middle of an nba league game and suddenly a phylactes uh bounty hunter like approaches you on the side of the court and like just spears you <laughs> It could, you know what? That's like the next step of this, or like you're about to dunk, and then suddenly a like little pop up comes up saying like, "Look, you're not gonna complete this dunk, but if you pay five dollars and boost your stats, you're gonna dunk on this motherfucker." Or like, or like LeBron is somehow like level nine thousand, then you're like level four. <laughs> it's like that's like literally yeah. nothing you do can help. That's how I feel is the future of this, and I wish they could just balance it a bit more where. It's taking just so long to do anything, to just see any sort of progress with the character. And, like, if I'm continuing with this review thing, like, if this game was didn't have the microtransactions, it would be way up there. Like, I'm going to give it eight LeBron hair transplants out of ten is what I'm going to do on this one. It'd be only Attacking the follically it, impaired. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it's only it's only really held back by the fact that it it feels like it's trying to grab your money at every moment. Not not the way where it's saying random pop-ups, but just the game is built so unless you are unemployed, you are not going to be able to get the character to where you want to and that's what 2018, the, the year yeah. of unemployment. That <laughs> What a fucking weird year. Again, it's these are the games I've been playing most recently. Uh, now that I feel like most of us have retired from Overwatch for a bit, because it's hard to maintain, like <laughs> Overwatch, a social life, and playing other games, and um, having to review this shit for work. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, all of this is really hard to balance. Um, for the next review episode, uh, the main games I'm thinking about talking about are Grip, which is a game I just got sent. The Missing, which is Swery's game, which is. Whew, that game goes places. I still have some more to go, but it's nuts. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, which you've played all the way through and I've played two hours of and mm. <laughs> still need to add a lot to. Spider-Man, which I just got but have not played. And finally, oh. 
Valkyria Chronicles 4, which was my most anticipated game of the year, but I just bought it now, now that it's half price. Um, So what you're saying is we'll be adding another notch to my 1099 appearances. uh, Yes, you you could totally do this one. This one might be like early January, though. (laughs) To be able to play all these games, I'm just going to, I'm not going to beat all of them. I just wanted like a good sense of all of them. Um, It's going to take a bit uh, because I still want to beat Dragon Quest and then I'll move on probably Valkyria Chronicles. Um, but that'll be the next one, just previewing it. If everyone likes the two-person format, let me know. I almost said in the comments. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know over let me know email, if I suck, anything please. like that. Yeah, let Joe know. Yell at Joe. Um, if you want stupid rating scales at the end of all these games, I'll leave that in there too. Um, it's just a format. Of, I like messing around with this format because I don't know what's perfect for it yet. But I, mm. I still want this outlet to talk about these games. Um, I still want to be able to be like, hey, here's all these games that I have opinions on that sure one or two tweets might do it. But I think it's more fun to have this in a podcast format, especially if you only listen to the show and don't see my incessant tweets. It seems like a good way of doing it. Uh, Joe, do you have any last words on these games? Do you have any questions for me? Do you have any uh, insightful things to impart to the audience? Go play Life is Strange 2. Do things. Mushroom the dog. Brody. (laughs) That's that's what you got. That's 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 your going away phrase. Also follow me on Twitter, I guess. Okay, yeah. What are you working on right now, and where can people find you on Twitter? I oh god, I am building PC gamers uh, every game of 2019 list. So that's been my little cash cow Jesus. this month. It's hell, and I'm having CMS problems, but don't tell them that. Uh, <laughs> and other than that, I'm plugging away at Daily Dot. You can find me doing like basically half of all game reviews at Daily Dot. It's me and AJ Moser over there. So if you want a good, solid opinion on stuff like Hitman 2 or uh, probably doing Just Cause 4 here shortly, uh, please do check up on me. Perfect. Uh, one last thing, and I know I hate leaving stuff like this all the way to the end, but ever since I did that mental health episode, I've gotten just a few emails and DMs every single day or since that's gone up and it's just been people being super open and honest about stuff that they've dealt with. And, um, as I've said a billion times, I'm not a doctor. So like the advice I give is usually like, please take it with a massive grain of salt, but it's really meant a lot that people have appreciated that it's still incredible to see a podcast. That's just me and not a guest do as well as that one did. And all the people with how open they've been and how willing they are to talk about this stuff has been, um, it's been crazy. It's been really cool. I've really enjoyed reading these emails and replying to people and going back and forth and doing all that. So it means a lot that people care. Um, and if even just one person decides that they want to go talk to someone or consider medication after listening to that, then mission accomplished. Like that was more and, than uh, what I ever could have expected. I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I don't listen to this show except for when I'm on it, obviously, but <laughs> don't Fuck get her. I'm kidding, but uh, I I did listen to like literally every second of that particular episode, and I was very proud of you for being able to be open about that, and uh, you know consider me among that that small throng of people who you know listening to you talk about uh, the the subject of job security and depression and and all that. It felt very comforting to hear you know someone parsing through those thoughts and definitely helped me kind of refocus for a little while too. So thank you for that, and on behalf of all the people I'm sure talk to you about it. Thank you from them. I it, it Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I'm still so like new into not dealing with this stuff, but maybe moving forward with it to like actually tackling it head on. And it's, um, it can be cathartic just to talk about it, even if you're by yourself, because, you know, because I know because of the emails I've gotten before, I knew it wouldn't be just me talking to myself. I felt like I was talking to people and that was kind of, I don't know. Again, cathartic is the word that always happens. It was therapeutic, if you will, to just like kind of get some stuff out there and hopefully encourage a conversation with other people. So thank you, everyone, for listening to that show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this show. Thanks for all the just incredible feedback on everything lately. This episode goes live December 3rd, which means there's probably like three more shows before the, <laughs> before the end of 2018. Oh, um, it's nuts. It's, you know, I, as we're recording this, some of them aren't live, but like, just had the, the Kim Wallace one, just had the Michael Pactor one. Um, there's going to be Jen from Pop Agenda coming up. There's going to be most likely a game of the year show with um, the, probably the usual GameSpot crew or former GameSpot crew. And other than that, 
any ideas as always for next year for 2019 send me an email send me a tweet go on reddit i am always open to suggestions joe might be on you know like one more time next year we, we i don't want to you're gonna have to start getting like residuals if you come on anymore. Mm-hmm. I think once it's like Royalties, a tenth podcast baby. appearance, yeah, I think that's, Ten yeah, cents that's a week. how much this podcast makes. All these hot fucking endorsement deals that are going on. That's actually one of my goals is to have an ad. I'm sorry, if you, like listeners, don't want to hear that. But this episode like, is brought to you by Blue Apron. It's uh, don't even don't give. Are them you free. unemployed? Are, are you unemployed and <laughs> sad? <laughs> Blue Apron is the secu- is the cure. I don't I don't think they'll let me read that copy. All right. <laughs> Cutting this off. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.